be to God. It's good to have you in service this morning. You can greet somebody and tell them you're looking better now that you're in church. Amen. Now that you got your praise on. Glory be to Jesus. Tremendous work this morning. Well done. We'll just have to teach my brother there to look and live and sing that song for me. Don't leave me out here by myself. Amen. Mine is to preach, yours is to sing. You must know them words. Got you. Amen. It's great to have everybody in service this morning. Everybody online, clap your hands for everybody online. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. What an amazing season we're in. Um, challenging for all of us because the word has been so challenging. But it is well. And um, don't you rather know the truth? Hallelujah. Listen, man, not all truth sets people free. It's only the truth that you accept. And sometimes it's hard to look at, the, at my life and see the mistakes and see the things that I've done. And God confronts you with some things. It's tough because you're trying to move on in life. But I mean, I would, you know, it's the same reason why we, you get born again. Because like you look at your life and you're being honest with yourself. And you say, my life is going nowhere. Nowhere. And come, coming face to face with the fact that I've made poor decisions and whether it be for business or for my family or for my personal life. And last week I spoke quite a bit around, you know, my gambling addiction. And when I looked at my life and saw I was going nowhere as a family, I, I love people that can tell me the truth. Don't pacify me with your lies and rather tell me the truth. It hurts, but I'm okay with that. And you, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend. Let your friends rather tell you the truth. Let your wife rather tell you the truth. Oh, it's quiet. <laughs> okay. I, you know, some, some relationships, some families, it's just relationships you, like you. Uh, they're good to you, but they're not good for you. Because I want my wife to tell me the truth. I want to deal with my family with truth. And it hurts, but rather that. Amen. So, let me read something for you this morning. We get into this morning's message. The title of my sermon this morning is Redeemed from Destruction. It's great to have you in service this morning. The Irish novelist George Moore tells a story about Irish peasants who during the Great Depression were put to work by the government building roads. Does this not sound like South Africa? I just wish that when you build the roads, fix them first time. So you don't create more jobs fixing potholes. Amen. For a time, the men worked well and they sang heartily, heartily as they worked. They were glad for employment and they felt they were contributing to the good of the nation. But little by little, it began to dawn on them that the roads they were building were going nowhere. It became clear that they had been put to work so the government would have an excuse to feed them with your 350 rand. It was pointless, busy work. It didn't take long for the men to grow listless and quit singing their songs. Moore insightfully concludes, this is really important for you, roads to nowhere 
are hard to build. They discovered that the work was absolutely just to give you 350 rand to keep them in power. Man, if somebody's going down the wrong road, he does not need motivation to speed him up. He needs an education to turn him around. Jim Ron says that. And what I'm trying to do is the series is to help every man, every family, every, all of us. Look at our nation, look at our lives, and let's be honest about ourselves. And look at ourselves and say, this is, this is, we're going in the wrong direction. This road that we're on is going in the wrong direction. It's harsh to face some things when it comes to your family and your home. I tell the story about um, not being born again and our first real holiday as a family by ourselves. I purchased a car. My son was there. Um, and we took this trip for the first time to Mpumalanga. So, um, well, it was not to Mpumalanga. It was to the Midlands. And... Midlands, Saddle and Trout, we'll never forget that place. And we're never going back there again. <laughs> it was the worst holiday we had taken. So 5 o'clock in the morning, I get up. We're all packed. We're ready to go. I get into my car. I got the family going. I'm driving for an hour. So I'm on the highway. And of course, I know exactly where I'm going. You know, dad asking, so you know where you're going? Of course. Of course. Of course. And so, you know, I mean, the map is there, right? You don't have ways or anything like that that time, but I mean, I knew the ways. And so I just, and I get onto the highway and I go past, and it's like, you know, we're going to Mpumalanga. This is the road. And so I said to Z, I said, I feel a little tired, switch over, take the driver's seat come, I just need to nap a little bit. So I, and I have a nap. And I sleep for about 40 minutes. And I'm laying, and when I finally wake up, I'm like, where are we? What are we doing? Why am I in the car? Oh, yeah, there's holiday. Uh, okay, okay. And where are we going? Oh, yeah, of course, we're into the Midlands. And you gave your wife an instruction to get into this highway. And I get up like this. We're going in the wrong direction. And of course, when we pulled off, I just told us to stop, go to a, a, the first garage. And when I spoke to him, I said, tell us how to get to the Midlands. The guy went, <laughs> Took a long journey to go back all the way because it's towards KwaZulu-Natal. The question is that this morning is that, are you willing to wake up? Are you willing to get back behind the driver's seat of your life and not put your wife in charge? And say, actually, God called me to do this for me and my family. I don't know who's behind the driver's seat in your life. But this morning through this message in what God has called us to, you're going to begin to understand how to take charge of your life and say, no, we're not going to live this way anymore. We're not going to live in poverty anymore. We're not going to let the world take us wherever it wants to. We're not going to let this government take us. Our children are going to go in the direction that God wants us to go. I applaud every mother in this place. Every person has been online and in this house. Come on, clap your hands because God has given us a blueprint for our families, for our 
our homes, for our children. We're going to move in the right direction. Everybody said amen. So when you come into the kingdom of God, Psalms 103. Watch what the Lord is doing for you. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Hmm. Who heals all your diseases. This is where we're going this morning. Who redeems your life from destruction. Everything that God is doing for your life, for your family, for your home, is so that you can, your life is redeemed from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Now watch now. He made his ways. He made known his ways to Moses. His acts to the children of Israel. Watch now. Moses is a matured man. Children. He makes the comparison. That anytime you act like a child, all you want is to see the act of God. I need a job. I want deliverance from this thing. I want a breakthrough here. You know your children, that they, how they come to you, they... You, they ask you for things they don't know how you even get it but they want it and they suck if they don't get it those are children like one woman that came said if the Lord doesn't give me a husband here in this church by the end of the year I'm leaving I said you're acting like a real, real children and you're going to marry a church boy not a kingdom man you might as well go now because it's going to help you because you can't put God on a deadline. You're either going to serve Him or you're not going to serve Him. Come on, somebody. Moses didn't go looking for God's acts. He saw the acts of God. He saw God part the Red Sea. He saw manna come from heaven. He saw quail come in abundance. He saw God do tremendous acts. And the children marveled. But Moses was different. Moses asked for God. He says, show me your ways. He made known, God made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. So children are always looking for, tell me how's God going to do this? Tell me why COVID? Tell me, and, and they complain about everything that's not going their ways. They sulk when it doesn't go their way. But when you become a man, you put away childish things. Come on, when, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I understood like a child and I spoke like a child. But when I became a man, I now begin to put away childish things. When you become a man, you put away those childish things and start to act differently and start to think and understand differently. So when you come into the kingdom of God, Ezekiel tries to help us. Ezekiel chapter 10 shows us something about what a man, if you're going to show yourself a man, there are four faces for every father, for every man, as we're going to wrap up this month of July and really help us understand what it is to be a man. Because sometimes we can get lost in this woman's world. You call it the man's world? Not anymore. 
I mean, did you know that we celebrated, not we, but there was a day set aside this week called Non-Binary Day. You know it's Non-Binary Day? I listened to this poor soul, a beautiful girl, and they, they got on camera and she's explaining her life. She says, there's days when I wake up and I feel like a man and I dress it. And then there's days I wake up and I feel like a woman and I dress it. And there's days I feel like neither. I'm non-binary. This generation needs prayer. I looked at this beautiful, beautiful girl and I said, did nobody tell you who you really are? Imagine that your whole life you have to dress up and you don't have anything of meaning that you bring to life because you're struggling with identity all the time. What are we doing? Ezekiel shows you what a man, and of course, every born-again believer should understand this because this is your family, this is your home, it's what you need to know. So he says, he sees something, he says, each one, he sees, and Revelation gives the same. He says, when, when John sees it in heaven, he says, I see those four faces. So each one had four faces. He says, I, the first face was the face of a, Ezekiel chapter 4. Um, am I missing something? What did they give you? Each one had four faces. The first was the face of a cherub, the face of a man, the face of a lion, the face of an eagle. I've given you the wrong verse. The one that speaks that I've, I'm going to give you, um, you'll find it for me. It says it's the face of an eagle, a lion, an ox, and a man. Sorry, that is mine. And so, through the series, we've been trying to show you that every single man was made this way. I don't know. Um, we obviously know that our, from our own fathers, we've received a kind of a face that, um, what was show, that was shown to you. And because of that, sometimes you are drawn to God or sometimes you have no relationship with God because when, I, when, when you speak about mothers, all the children would come in and celebrate. Sometimes you speak about fathers, there's condemnation, there's fears, there's, 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 there's such a challenge because when you say our father, the children will struggle with that because of their natural fathers. So my, my son can have a problem with God himself because of the way I respond. The way I've acted like a child in my home. And the way I treated his wife, uh, my wife, his, his mother. Or, or how I, I handled problems in my home. Oh, thank you guys. It's Ezekiel 1 verse 10. There's the face of the man, the lion, um, the oxen, of course, the eagle. Thank you. So, I, I don't know what's, what faces your children see in your home. I don't know what they see. Do they see a passive father? Do they see an angry man? Do they see a man who beats on his wife? And often that is a man who's beating on himself because he doesn't know who he is. And so we're dealing with a challenge in families and in homes that, you know, it's just easier to, you know, to have a non-binary day and pretend that we don't have a blueprint or that we're actually going in the wrong direction. And so when you get into the kingdom of God and you begin to look at Jesus, Moses asked God something in the book of 
Exodus quickly. He said something to God because remember, he's the guy that God showed him. He says, he, he showed his ways to Moses. He did acts for the children, but his ways he showed to Moses. He said, please show me your glory. What a request. Show me your glory. He says, then he said, I'll make all my goodness pass before you and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I'll be gracious to whom I'll be gracious and I'll be, have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. Yet when you come to the New Testament, God, um, is, and the Lord said, here is a place by me. And you shall stand on the rock. <laughs> Please put up the picture of the four faces. I want you to see something. When you come into the kingdom of God, for every single man, and you're looking at the four faces, number one is that you're standing on the rock. I want you to know, you, you, you can't look at your father, you can't look at um, your, your uncles, you can't look at, you're going to have to look unto Jesus. You're going to have to go and understand that when you come on, on grace, you, you, you step into grace and into the new covenant. You now begin to stand on a rock that is unshakable. Do you have my picture? It's coming. And with this, you need to know that you're standing on a firm foundation. I looked at my father. My father was a loving man and he loved me, but there were so many things in my home. I, I cannot even begin to tell you the kind of dysfunction. I can't even begin to tell you where I, I was taught about gambling and and the drinking and the lifestyles. But when you come into the kingdom of God, look at it, Jesus becomes the rock that you stand upon. And you get to see the face of God. You do. It's found in the four gospels. For every single man, because we have no reference. We have no reference of, about a man that really, really shows us. You know, sometimes you find, um, if I think of the spirit, and I got born again because you must be born again. John is telling you that. When I came into the church for the first time at Ramah, the person that worshipped and draw, and I, I was drawn by the Spirit, to, and I watched this man, was Lionel Peterson. What a tremendous gift to the body of Christ. I stood there and I was in awe because I remember him singing, man. At the Cory Hall. And everybody attended and we were there celebrating and we, I was, you know, amazing. These guys, from, from, you know, and then... And then I get born again. I find Lionel Peterson's born again. And his worship, the spirit man inside of him, drew me towards God. And I bowed my knee and I gave my life to Jesus that day. Because you must be born again. There's a part inside of you that desires God with everything. For every boy, for every girl. For every man, for every woman. There's a part inside of us. There's a hole inside your soul. There's something inside of you that makes you desire God. And say, God, you know I was made for something greater. 
And then the born again experience and understanding who we are in Christ was so powerful for me. And Raymond taught me that. Then God, about more than a decade ago, introduced me to a man by the name of Dr. Miles Monroe. And Dr. Miles took me under his wing, took me to his house. I was in Bahamas, spent year after year with him. And he took me and he said, son, I need to teach you about the kingdom. I know you're born again. Because Jesus didn't come just to save, to take you to heaven. Let me teach you what it is to be a real man in the kingdom of God. Not just saved for heaven, but to make an impact in the earth. And he gave me kingdom values. He taught me about a kingdom that's unshakable and unstoppable. And he said, son, if you change your belief system and you set your belief system in the kingdom of God, I am telling you now, God's going to make your name greater. God's going to move you to where you need to be. You need to protect and guard your belief system with everything on the inside of you. Because right believing leads to right living. You see, you, 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 you behave what you believe. You must protect your belief system with everything. I told the church last week, I grew up with a family just of all girls we are five mums there and all the girls are there and all her girlfriends and everybody i'm the oldest boy and everybody's got lipstick and high heels on and bags and i'm trying the same until my dad had to say son for girls only and when you come into the kingdom of God, you don't even know what it is to be a real man. I didn't even know what it is to live in the kingdom and its value system and what it means for me and my family and for my home. I was a timid man that couldn't speak. I was so timid, I could not go in and, and do public speaking. I told the people this over and over again. I got zero at school for public speaking. But I hated poverty. So I chose a route and I said, I'll never be broke. I'm not going to beg anybody. I'm not going to go and borrow any more sugar from the neighbors like we used to. I'm going to break this curse of poverty. I didn't even, I just did, I wanted money. And that's why I got into another vice, which is gambling. But I chose, and you know, the thing that I couldn't do, I was, I was too scared, man. Maybe more of my mother than the cops of stealing stuff. Couldn't steal. And so I chose to be a systems analyst. I looked in the newspaper and said, this is going to pay me the most money. And I said, I'm going after this. And it paid me well. And the timidity inside of me, even though God had called me to a work, I didn't know God's ways and how to get into my work. Because you see, I want you to write this down and think about what I'm saying. At the beginning of time, there were no jobs. Only work. What is work? Work is what you were born to do. Your job is what they pay you to do. Your job is what Adam needed. A job is what he needed when he sinned and fell. But when he was in the kingdom and the beginning, the purest chapters in the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, he had a relationship with God. He was given a kingdom. He was given his work. And he stood before God, walked in the cool of the day with God. That's God's man. This is God's original intent. When Adam fell, when sin entered in, he lost the relationship with God. That's why Jesus had to come back and the blood be shed. And the Holy Spirit came the day of Pentecost. So the Holy Spirit can be restored in every man. Then when you study Jesus and why he came, he never came to bring another religion. 
Because Adam never lost a religion. Adam lost a kingdom. He was given a place to rule from, a place to have dominion in, a place to be fruitful for his life. That's what Adam was given. He had a territory and he allowed his wife to have a conversation. But Adam was working. The Bible says whatever God brought animals to Adam. And whatever, whatever Adam named it, that's what it was. That was his work. He was in his assignment. There was no jobs. When Adam fell, they had to go and start working for themselves because then the word curse was introduced. So toil is the world system that, is, that, that, that people live under that, that, that pays them a monthly stipend that is a road that goes to nowhere. If you've never considered your work, if you've never understood the power of what it is to be in work, I sat behind a computer timid. All I want, I couldn't do presentations, couldn't do public speaking, and just did my work, give me my, my assignment, give me my money at the end of the month. I don't have to speak to anybody. In the year 2000, after I'd gotten born again in 1997, I had a sense that God was calling me to do speak, to speak. And I'm like, I yelled, I went to Bible college, and you know, I, I have a desire. I'm drawn to people that are speaking. David Malapo comes to Hollard and he does his presentation. I'm in awe. I'm and, and he's got the people captive and you know he's motivating people. I'm thinking, but what is this? What is this? And what I did was I, I went to Dale Carnegie just to learn to do public speaking. The first week you're going to speak about for 30 seconds, the next week a minute, and then the following week two minutes. And for 12 weeks they take you through the scores. And at the end of every single session they would give, the, you know, there's a nomination of who's the best speaker in the class, and they would give a prize. I won every single prize for 12 weeks. And then the student of the term. This timid, unable to speak, I was in awe. When people said, this guy says, I've never ever heard anybody speak this way. What happened to this timid man that couldn't open up his mouth in school? The Spirit of the Lord comes on the inside of me. What's he doing? He's directing me to my work. But I need a belief system that I'm actually able to speak. So I go and I go and practice. I just try it out. God, you're going to help me. I'm a stutterer. The enemy, if you know anything about my life, the enemy attacks me over my speech all the time. He fights me over my ability to, he says, ah, that the way you spoke was just, I mean, why would you say that? And, and it goes on and some Mondays, I'm like so tired, I'm like, I've got to get up and say, no, devil, under my feet in the name of Jesus. Why? I take authority over and I roar against the devil and say, I, this is my work I've been called to do. This is my assignment. This is my gift. I'm trying to help somebody this morning because my whole life the enemy told me that I cannot speak. And yet all of my work that God has called me to do is found here to speak. So he, he came and he tried to, from the beginning of time, shut me down. And the boldness and the courage of the kingdom of God got me to stand up 
and say, this is who I am. This is why I'm here. Put up the five questions of life. Every little boy, every man, every girl, this is what you're looking for. These are five questions. Come from Dr. Miles Monroe. This is kingdom questions. It's answered in the kingdom of God. You stick around long enough here, you're going to discover things about you and your future. Because the first question for everyone is, who am I? She hasn't even moved beyond that. Now imagine your whole life, you're 65, you're 75, you're still finding out who you are, your identity. Your identity is sealed in Him, man. What Moses couldn't see, you get to see. It's in the Gospels. Who am I? Second question, where The source. What is this thing that I'm looking for as a man? Then the big question is, why am I here? You know, having to speak some colorful language to the taxi drivers, and, you know, and yet you're born again. There's more to you than just doing that every single month to make sure that the children get an education. One father just said, when it was done with, with school, he says, I've done my duty with you. I paid for your schooling. Get out of here. One of the sons who shared. Why am I here? The purpose, the why for your life. The th fourth question is, can I speak? Can I motivate? Can I help? Can I, what can I do? And every man, before you marry him, that's the questions you must ask him. Does he know that? The question is, where are we going to? What's the destiny? What's our, what's our family? Girlfriend was pregnant at 17 or 18, I don't know, 19. I stopped counting, it's 38 years later. And when we told the parents that on, on the Friday night, they said, well, you can't be together until you're married. So by Saturday, 4 o'clock the afternoon, we were married. And I said, give her whatever you want to give her, I'm taking her. Broke. Confused. Young man, let it not be so amongst us now. I'm teaching you some things. My confusion. I didn't know where I was taking her to. I didn't know who I was. And I created a complete mess. I made a complete mess of our lives. Until I came to Christ. And when I got born again, I said, we're not going to go and stay in the South, hiding from people. Because I was near a race course. Because, of, I mean, it just goes on and on. The decisions are made based upon money that had nothing to do with destiny. Until you come into the kingdom of God. And God begins to shape your life and say, son, you are not made for the race course because some trust in chariots and some in horses but we will remember the name of the Lord and everybody said amen in this church <laughs>
So when, when you come into this place and you stand on the rock, you get answers that nobody else gets. When God saves you and He puts you in Him, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him should not perish. What's God doing when He saves you? He is redeeming your life from destruction. When God puts His Spirit on the inside of you, what's He doing? Redeeming your life from destruction. When God puts you in His kingdom and His kingdom is in you, what's God doing? Come on, help me. He's redeeming your life from destruction. Come on, speak to me this morning. You're going to help me preach. When God brings you into your work that He has for you, He is redeeming your life from destruction. What would the enemy want to do? The enemy wants to keep you away from the house of God, from the kingdom of God with no understanding, not, you know, don't have the Holy Spirit to consult. Just follow your own ways. Just build your own roads. Just go your own way. And his, his eye is always on the family, man. Give me the book of Ezekiel. I think it's Ezekiel chapter 18. Let me show you something. It's Ezekiel chapter 18. What do you mean when you say this proverb concerning the land of Israel saying, the fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, says the Lord God, you shall no longer use this proverb in Israel. Come on. This is for the house of God. Listen to me. What he's saying to you is that when people speak about generational curses and what fathers have done and the children are living out, he says, no, no, no. You can't use that proverb here anymore. He says, if, he says behold, all souls are mine as the soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. He says, both of them are mine. The soul who sins shall die. But if a man is just and does what is lawful and right, he says, he will live. He will live. So, Someone said, I don't know if you heard that, that whatever walks in the fathers runs in the children. Where I come from, I can't take credit for any of this stuff. Because it's not like I didn't have my chance. I went for it. And I gave it my all. All of my salary. All of my partying. All of my life I gave and when I left there, the devil was very sad because I was his best client. And so when I came into the kingdom of God, I, I'm here giving my all and I want to know more about God. I want to know the reason why I've been born. I want to know what the Holy Spirit is saying. I want to know what the kingdom is all about. And I need to know what my work is all about. It was when God started speaking to me and said, Son, you're not going to be doing computers anymore. You're not a businessman anymore. I know money was your thing, but I, I'm going to teach you how to live in the kingdom and you're going to fulfill your purpose in the work I've called you to do. But my parents, my father didn't start a church. I got no reference point of anybody that started a church. My father could speak and he was really, really good, but I mean, to preach every week, to, to, to create, to build sermons and, 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 and to change my weekend. You know the real reason why I'm, I'm needing to preach, right? Because the horses ran yesterday. And instead of being at the horses, I was preparing a sermon. Amen? 
Because God knows what you need. Listen to me, you don't, don't think this is some fancy thing out here. The only reason why God goes and calls you into full-time ministry is because He can't trust you in the world. Now you know the truth. When you come into the kingdom of God, God's focus is only to show you what your work is. Not your job. It's the thing that, you, that is going to make a difference in this world. So the book of Mark lets you know, while Matthew tells you this is the kingdom, Mark lets you know that Jesus is your burden bearer. He carries the cross. It's the ox anointing. It's the thing that makes a difference to our world and, and changes the way we do life. And so while my salary was good, my family had no issues. We could pay our bonds and business was good. And we, I really didn't care about anybody else's problems in, in the degree that I do now. In that like, I will give you, after I've taken care of me, me first, then you. In this kingdom, when God brings you into your work, something happens to you. There is a burden and a compassion and a preaching and a teaching and a building and a putting of my money where my mouth is to make sure a generation can be saved. Everything inside of me is looking at the next generation and finding out what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my life? What is my gift? The difference my gift is going to make? How am I going to hold back on my gift and let the generation die and not have something to say and be taught how to pray and to pray for this nation and to stand in the gap and to build businesses and to take the time and say, here's your pension and build this land, buy this land, put, take, your, take your house and put it on this land and let God come and build something for the next generation come on somebody you're gonna you're gonna preach back to me this morning because someone's gonna learn to understand that the work is not about you the work is about someone else the reason why it is so difficult the reason why it is so challenging is because many people live only for one generation they only live for themselves but I know I'm 59 already Veronique and I know that the things that I'm building I won't even fully enjoy the trees I'm planting right now I won't be sitting under them because it's for the next generation it's for someone else your children will be taught in those classrooms your children will be taught how to play an instrument what's God doing? He's redeeming your life from destruction He is getting us to build what we need to build so that a generation can come into their destiny and know who they are and know what they what belongs to them and they can build kingdom businesses and their lives will not be destroyed they're gonna build solid marriages and their lives will not be destroyed he is redeeming you from destruction man everything that he's given to you is to redeem your life from destruction Do not come against when you're finding a man fulfilling his purpose. Joseph will carry that vision for 18 years to have one conversation with Pharaoh and change a nation. He's busy with the work that God has given because the visions and the dreams are given by the Spirit. That's the language of the Spirit. And he carries it for 18 years 
And God says, abundance is coming for seven years. Poverty, famine, seven years. He builds structures and prepares for what's coming. You as a man, I'm, I'm seeing things over this nation. I'm, I'm building relationships across the globe. We're getting involved in exports now. We're putting up structures and we're putting the vision together. And there are buildings that are coming together. Why? Because your children have to learn more than just Afrikaans. You're going to learn another language. You're going to understand what is the euro, what is the pound, what is the dollar. You're going to learn how to fly overseas. You're not going to be stuck in a place building roads that go to nowhere. You're going to take your family to the next level. You're going to say, child of God, there's more in you than what you see right now because there's greatness on the inside of you. I am telling you, the enemy taunted me with my gender. He said, well, your father had four girls. You should have been a girl yourself then he told me about poverty and then he told me you'll never be able to speak but i am telling you when you're in the kingdom of god you can stand and say devil not here not now not my children not my future we are coming into the work that god has got for us god pulled me out of my job And brought me into my work. And for this reason, you can't pay me enough for what I do because it is unto the Lord. You can mock me, you can say whatever. I came here and I had a home cell. There's 40 people in that home cell. And when God started speaking about my work, I told all of them, I said, it's time for you all to go back. I brought in different. I said, that connect group, that, go to all of them. I first, before I started the process, when the Spirit of God was speaking about a church, 18 months I got sick. I finally said yes to God. Because I could not see myself preaching every week. But the dream inside of me, God started giving me visions about the future. I now need to be bold enough. The righteous eyes. I go to a man that I trusted at Rhema, Dr. Kone Becker. And I said to him, I'm submitting this vision to you. The Lord keeps speaking to me about starting a church. I don't want to. Everything inside of me says I should go. In my head. I don't know how I got money problems in my head because how do you pay for a church? I'm not going to beg anybody. I never did. How am I going to do this? I went to him and I'm, I said, God, if this is you, I'm saying yes to you, but if this is not you, I am submitting this now to what I call a righteous leadership. And I want to know if this is you. Here's a key, a kingdom key. The spiritual realm is the authorization realm. 
if nobody authorizes you in the spirit, you can't go into your work. That's a whole sermon for another day. If you do not submit your life somewhere, how are you ever going to come to you? Because this, it's not games that God is playing with your life. This is not a road going to nowhere. So if it is God yesterday, it's God today, it will be God tomorrow. You must submit yourself. I submitted myself. I said, this is what I want to do. What I feel God's going to do, but my head is saying no. He sat down and he said, I believe this is God. But I'm at Rhema. And I love the church. And I don't want to leave. But God's calling me to a work. And so, Pastor Mark, uh, Pastor Dr. Kone says, I want you to see Pastor Mark. You want to do that? I said, no. He says, I said, only if you say so. He said, I say so. So I said, I'll go and do it. I hope you're hearing me. I, I don't get it with a generation that has got the business card before they got authorization. A generation that you're so ready to run and start. Why would you want to start the church? Why? Why would you want to carry something that is a burden if you really... You understand how I cry out for our families and have to pray for different people from, from various things that we deal with. It's a burden. You talk about your blended family. I get the blended family you saw. I get the great blended family you saw. And I'll have a problem. I'm going to put them all into the system. Are you quiet with me this morning? This stuff, stuff, man. To get into this and to stand and to work with God. And the pain that comes with this and the attack that comes with this. But here's where it gets really powerful. I need to end, oh Lord. Let me just read a quick scripture. We'll deal with the ox anointing. And why it is important for you to understand this. John chapter 14, verse 7. If you had known me, Philip says, show us the Father. He says, if you had known me, you'd have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and you've seen him in the Gospels. There's your Father. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it's, it's sufficient for us. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and yet you've not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus is the express image in the Gospels of the Father. The thing that God denied Moses, he gives to you in the Gospels. You have seen me, has seen the Father, so how can you say show us the Father? Do you not believe that I'm in the Father? So you don't believe me, right? And the Father in me. The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority because it comes from an authorized place. That's why I wake up in the morning, I can't just give you any sermon. 
Someone in this place this morning needs to know that your life is going to be redeemed from destruction. God gave me three days a word for the family in this place. You're going to clap your hands this morning and believe that somebody's life is going to be redeemed from destruction this morning. I don't know who needs to hear this word, but I've been authorized in the heavenlies and the Lord gave me a clear word that some family is going to break free from the destruction of the enemy. Your children will live and not die. They're going to come into what God has got for them. They can experience the work that God has got for them. You can experience the glory of God. Somebody shout Amen. He says, the words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me is doing what? He's doing the works. The Father in me is doing the works. Believe me, this is your belief system, that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else, you don't believe this? Now believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Have a look around and see the works. Look at my testimony. Look at what God has done. Look at the works of how God can take you out of Bell's palsy and get you to come and preach again. When they told me that it's over, you're not going to preach again. Come on, if you're not going to believe that I'm in the Father, believe for the works that's happening around this place. Believe that God is good. See the change in our families. See the breakthrough in our businesses. See the answers on the campus. See the vision and its fulfillment. And believe me, if you don't believe me, look at the works. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do because I go to my Father. Here's something you need to write down. That's your take home. Works is anything birthed by the Spirit of God that demonstrates the power of the kingdom that brings glory to our Father in heaven. You need to ask yourself the question, is my job and my business a demonstration of the kingdom? And does it bring glory to my Father? That's it. People have asked me to do many things and say, can you get involved in this? Ask me to sit on another board and to do some other things. And I say, I, My day is so full. So much going on. Every time I go and say, Lord, am I authorized to do that? I say, sir, not your assignment. People call you into a fight and get involved in this thing again. It's like, eh, not my monkeys, not my circus. I'm involved in my father's business. Everybody say amen. Hallelujah. You, 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 you must get involved. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 10. Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 10. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with your might. For there is no work, no device. There's no iPads. There's no iPhones where you're going to. There's no work, no device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going to. There is no work to do after that. Jesus says, while it is still day. John chapter 9 verse 1 quickly. John chapter 9 verse 1. You going to work with me guys? Now, as Jesus passed by, you saw a man, a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? Where's the generational curse? That he was born blind. 
Jesus answered, neither this man nor his parents sinned. But that the works of God can be revealed in him. It's the power to break you from every curse, every generational curse, every generational chaos. It's to redeem your life from destruction. I must, everybody say it with me, let's go together. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. Mark is your burden bearer. He is the guy that lets you know that Jesus came and bore a cross. And this is where we need to end. With. Ah, I'm, I'm writing a manual, so there's plenty I have to jump over here. <laughs> because you're going to have to get into agreement with God. You're going to have to come into agreement with God. Let me. Let me tell you about this. Let's, let, let's do this. Let's do this. I got just a couple of more minutes. Let's go. Luke shows you something. So next week we'll touch on Luke and we'll end the series. Luke chapter 1 verse 5. Have a look at this man. God's about to do a new work in a family and in a home. God's about to do something new in your family this morning. Everybody say amen. Come on, believe me. and I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you through scripture what God's about to do. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias. So he's not just going to church. He is the priest who makes sure that the candle, candles are lit in. And he's serving the temple. Of the division of Abijah, his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord blameless. But they had no child. They're righteous, they're doing what is right, they're going to church, they're giving offerings, they're tithing. But there's some stuff that they're not involved in that deals with the work of God in the earth. Even though they're in church, they're not giving birth to anything that's got to do with destiny and the purposes of God. But they had no child because Elizabeth, Elizabeth was barren and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right, of the altar, right side of the altar of the incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, do not fear, don't be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard. Someone's going to hear that this morning. You've been praying to God to come into your work. I am telling you by the Spirit of God that there is a move taking place in this house that you're going to begin to experience the glory of God on the next level for you and your family. He says, and your wife, Elizabeth, somebody who is still old and think their days are over, they can't have a baby, you are still going to have a baby, you think that your life is done, I am telling you God is doing a new thing. You're going to give birth to the work that God has called you to do. Your life is not over. God's redeeming your life from destruction. You're not going to be hanging out with the wrong people. You're going to get pregnant on purpose and you're going to grab a hold of the purposes of God and you're coming into your destiny. I need this church to shout an amen. 
and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John and you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth people go to jobs they hate man get paid and complain and you, 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 that's not what God originally intended not for a man not for a woman not for anybody it's supposed to be meaningful work something's got to do with the kingdom yes it's tough but every mother that understands pregnancy knows that it's so painful to go through the process but the Bible says but when the baby comes you forget even the pain you can't even remember what it was to be on that, in that delivery room for he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, nor shall he shall also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of, the Israel, of, the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before them in the, in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah is where you're turning the hearts of the fathers to the children to break the curse. To turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I'm Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. There's a work that you must do, but your unbelief, even though you're in church, is affecting what I want done. Even though you're the priest, you're not recognizing that this is a move of God. That this is God is doing something new in this generation. But behold, you'll be mute and not be able to speak until the day these things take place because you did not believe. My words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. God says, I'm in charge, and I'm going to have my will, and I'm going to have my way. And what am I looking for? I am telling you, your wife's going to be pregnant, and this is his name. His name is going to be John, because he's, he's a deliverer. And the problem with most of us is that from our natural fathers, we don't even know who we are. It's taken a long time for me to tell Tasman, do you understand that your administration gift is so amazing? Do you understand that I am your father, and I discipline you, and I love you, but I'm also the priest over your life, to let you know that there's something about your life that is filled with greatness, that there's something about your destiny. Do you understand? It's taken a long time for her to work through the Father to come to the spirit man that believes in her. Because of the way we grew up. And the unbelief. And so, pick up verse 57 quickly for me. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long. So, Elizabeth. Now, Elizabeth's full time came for her to, to be delivered. And she brought forth a son. She's now busy in the works. She's delivering the thing that God called her to do. And they rejoiced with her. And when, when her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord has shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. So it was on the eighth day that they came to circumcise the child that they would have called him by the name of his father. Look what God is doing. Listen to me, please, man. I'm not mad at my father for the mistakes he's made. Because then I have to go to his father. And I must go to his father's father. And I've got to go, I mean, how far back do you want to go until you reach, to, reach Adam? 
or just spend time in the Gospels. Take a pill, a Gospel. And so it was on the eighth day that he came to circumcise a child that he would have called him by the name of his father. Our fathers have eaten sour grapes. And it has set our teeth on edge. I've made mistakes that has affected my children's relationship with God. That they don't know who they even are. Or just go and find a job. You weren't made to just go and find a job. There is a reason why you were born in this earth. You're not a mistake. Think about the amount of sperm that came through and you won the race from the beginning because God wanted you. You're sitting here because God chose you. you. There's a purpose for your life. There's a reason why you were born. Everything about my gifting, everything about my personality, everything about the way I think, all my strategizing, it comes alive in my work, not in my job. I got paid well, but I wasn't fulfilled in what God called me to do. I find myself traveling the globe. I'm meeting with new people. I am finding purpose and I don't even getting paid that kind of money but God in my work when seasons change may the Lord silence the voice of the fathers that spoke to you and wanted to name you a certain way an angel appeared to my father and said you you can't call him what you want until I speak to you. His second encounter with the angel, the angel said his name will be Maxwell Benjamin. I got named from above. Now listen, Maxwell means righteousness. And every time I fall into sin, or I mess up, or I don't act right, then the Holy Spirit comes to me and says, Maxwell, I am talking to you. You are righteous. Will you respond righteously? Because the name of your child matters. Come on, somebody. So God would go and shut down certain voices in your life. You are so concerned about who's not speaking to you anymore. That was God's doing. What's God doing? He's renaming you according to your destiny. According to the reason why you were born. God is letting you know that today that there's certain voices He will shut in your life. Why? You're crying over the voices that are gone. But God says, I'm birthing a new thing. And listen to me. Daddy, listen to me. Here's the word for you. It was on the eighth day and my time is gone. The child came to circumcise the child that they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, no. Every woman in your own house, shout no. Say, devil, hell no. Not over my children, not over my family, not over my home. I am commanding a blessing in this house. You can't take my children. I'm going to fight in this place. No devil, they're not going that way. No devil, we're not going to live in poverty. No devil, not now. I wish a mother in this place would just shout no. They shout hell no. He shall be called John. Next verse. But they said to her, There's no one in your natural family, your relatives, Ansel's family. You must must call him Eben, Juster, Peter, Willemse, all the way through. Until God says, In this lineage, this generational chaos 
I'm ending it now in this generation. It's happening today. I'm saying this to somebody. It's happening right now. But they said to her, there is no one among your, your relatives who is called by this name. Watch now. So they made signs to the father. What is the guy that was helping Zuma? What would you have him called? And he, he answered for a writing tablet. You think you got the first tablet. Don't say that so much. His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened. And his tongue loosed. And he spoke praising God. Here's the revelation. Until you as a father begins to agree with God concerning your children, your mouth will be shut. God wouldn't let, I, I, I was trying to do some things and, and just try, can, can we speak and making a mess of it. Until God said, that's the work I've called you to do. I got involved in a call center, I started up another call center and just to make money because I needed money and we were going nowhere. And God says, I'm not paying a cent because I think I never got in one deal. When we started the, 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 the employment agency, the Lord says, I'm not paying for it. Straight talk. He says, you're going to pay that bill yourself. The things that I call you to do, I will pay for. But you're not going to get me to pay your stuff because you keep on going your own way. When I finally put an end to it, then God said, you give me a commitment for your work. After 18 months and my, my submission of all things, I then made the announcement, we're starting this church. And on the 6th of March, 2005, we started the church. Because I made a vow and I made a commitment to God. I'm entering into my work. It looked nothing like where I came from with my job. But because of what God has called me to my work, every week I get enabled by the grace of God to do what I need to do. God opened my mouth when I said yes to what He wanted to call it. He said Kingdom Life Embassy. And when I said His name shall be called Kingdom Life Embassy, God said now I'll open up your mouth for the people. It's until you come into agreement with God. You can't get out of a job. You must say yes to the work that God has got for you. You are not an accident. I don't care how old you are. I am telling you that your frustration is only because there's a mismatch between your skills and your gift. You're in a job that is paying you, but you're not satisfied. And yet you don't understand that everything about your life makes sense. My personality, my gifting, all of that makes sense in here strategies, the way I live, the things that I do, the things I want to, it all makes sense in here. And I'm satisfied. I said, I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied in God. The ox anointing. I may think maybe we'll deal with that in, on, on Wednesday night because my time is up. God gives you a vision. He brings you into Christ so you don't perish, so redeem your life from destruction. He gives you His Spirit Young men, you will have visions. Old men, you'll rebirth the dream God put inside of you. That's what the spirit language is for. Then he brings you into the kingdom so you can understand the power of the kingdom and what God is doing in the earth. The only thing that's going to last into eternity is his kingdom. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory for ever and ever. And everybody said, Amen. Because you're coming into what God has got for you. Your company will not last forever. Your money is not going to last forever. The things that you're involved in, it is only in the kingdom of God. And it's only what you do for the king and his kingdom that will speak for you in eternity. Please can I have the worship team up?
Let me say this to you. Just dim the lights a little for me, please. I want you to have a moment with the Lord this morning. I want you to think on this. Think on this. When your life is over, Lionel Peterson, standing before the Lord, it's two questions. The first question you're going to be asked is, what did you do with my son that I gave you? What did you do with Jesus? Did you receive him or didn't you receive him? It's the first question. Because that question determines whether you spend time in the presence of God or not. The Bible speaks about those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. That's the first judgment. The second one. What did you do with the gifts and your time that I gave you in the earth? That depends on the reward that you get. So you got stuck in the job, you got paid, paid some bills. What's it got to do with the kingdom? People say, just pray for me, I want the job. Every time you come back after six months, oh, they, they fired me and I need another job. It's like, can we just deal with, go past this acts that you're asking God to perform and come into the ways of God? Because in His ways, the Bible says, be fruitful. It's a kingdom. Multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. When God begins to bless you and take care of you and bring you to your work, you will always increase. You will never look back. Because all of that I have, not that we are perfect, everything that I'm doing is here to please the Father. And God has taken us year after year and increased our lives because it's the work He's called us to do, not my job. And when you come into this kingdom, you must get jabbed. You must get a vaccination. It's called the blood of Jesus. That you get an injection that is faith. That gets you to do what we can do. And the ox anointing is something that allows you to fulfill the purpose which God called you to do. And God will put His grace upon you. God will empower you. And one of the things that God will do for you in this, in this place is found in the book of Deuteronomy chapter, I think it's 12 or 10 verse 12. If you can put that up. When God brings you in here, be okay to get rid of the people that are not going anywhere. I've got scripture for you. Read with me. You shall not plow with an ox and a donkey together. What's another name for donkey? Don't say it to you in church. Don't say it to you in church. <laughs> it's time for you to get off your donkey and for you to get involved in the kingdom work. Because it's the only place you're going to get a reward for eternity. It's what you've sown, your time, your talent, and your treasure. What you've given for the kingdom of God. That's the only thing you're going to be rewarded for. Not the fact that you went and you saved the whales. If you're called to go and save the whales, let's make sure it's authorized by God. Everything in this kingdom, is not, there's no confusion. You take your life and you submit it to Christ. You sign up. You sign on the dotted line. 
and the page is what's on there? Nothing. You just sign. And he fills in the blanks. And he tells you what you're supposed to be doing. It's called the kingdom. Can we please stand to our feet? Father, we look to you this morning. Every man under the sound of my voice. The condemnation, we know there's no condemnation for those in Christ. For every family struggling to get the image and the picture right. We've all been there, God. But you are gracious, Father. And we love you for that. We love you so much. We love to be in your presence. We love to be with your people singing praises. We love to hear your voice, Holy Spirit. We love to be congregating with your people. We know that as we turn our eyes upon you, God, the things of the earth will become strangely dumb. That our sons will see the glory of God. That every father will know that there's more inside of them this morning, Lord. That every child will begin to experience, Father, something by the Spirit of God to break them from and remove them from destruction. Oh, Lord, thank you for delivering us, my God. We remember where we come from, Lord. We remember what our homes looked like, oh God, before you came. We remember how broke we were, how confused and fearful and anxious we were, God. We remember the depression. We remember what the Sunday morning looked like without you, God. We remember that we had no understanding about the word. And Lord, our monies were wasted. They were like holes in our pockets, my God. We didn't even know where the money went. We don't even know where the time went, God. But then you came and you saved us. Oh my God, I give you praise. My God, you've redeemed our lives from destruction. Come on, if that is you this morning, lift your hands and you say, God, over my family and over my home this morning, over my life, my God, I've run from you my whole life. But all you've been trying to do is call me, God, into the work you have for my life to redeem my life from destruction, to redeem my children, wrong relationships, wrong exits. Oh, God, we forgive us, my God, for running from you and not running to you, God. You are gracious, God. And we are so grateful this morning for your presence. I just sense God's love coming to touch every one of us this morning. Come on, man of God. I know that it feels so heavy, but I'm telling you, the presence of the Lord is in this place. It's destroying yokes. It's lifting burdens. The Spirit of the Lord is in this place. Oh, I give you praise and glory and honor, my God. You are the lift of our heads, my God. Oh, instead of shame, there's double honor. 
Oh, our families, every family in this place, you will experience a breakthrough this morning because there's a move of God in this place. Oh, God has shut every other voice down so that you can agree with God this morning. I need every man in this place to begin to agree with God. You make a vow before the Lord this morning and say, Lord, I say yes to your will. I say yes to your way, God. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, oh God. I pray this morning that my life will bring you praise and glory. I pray that my gift, my time and my talent in this earth will bring you praise, will bring you glory, Lord. I thank you for the anointing that my children will see a glimpse of God through my life. My children will start to see a bit of the glory of God shining through my life. I know we're not there yet, oh God. We're not where we want to be, but we're not where we used to be. We've come a long way, God, and we want to be more like you, Jesus. We want to see, we want to see more of you, God. We desire more of you, Lord. You've given us a template. We can look unto Jesus, who is the author, the developer, and the finisher of our faith, my God. I thank you for every man in this place, that every boy in this place, his life is being redeemed from destruction. God will give you a life partner, son. You don't have to prove a point to the world. You don't have to sow your oats everywhere. You can follow after God. He will make you. He will make you the man. He will make you the woman. He will make you the boy. He will make you the father. He will make you the mother. Oh, if you just follow after Jesus and you come into his kingdom and you follow after him, you will give birth to the purposes of heaven. You will carry the, the plan and the destiny that God has got not just for you, but for a generation. All the money you're looking for, sir, is found in the kingdom of God. It's found at the entrance of your assignment. All the provision that you need. It was when Jesus was born that all the wise men came with gold and gifts and offerings. Any place where the birthing of the kingdom is, there's abundant provision. There's increase on every side. There's blessing on every side. Wise men will come and they're always following the star. I know you are a wise man. You're not a fool. You're a child of a living God. You know you were not born for trouble. You were born for triumphs. You were made not for trouble. You were made to overcome. You're a child of a living God. You will not be found outside of the field that God has got for you. You will not be found connected to the wrong relationships. You will, I'm shutting down every voice. I remove every donkey, everyone that has been weighing you down every partner that's not part of your destiny you are in the field you are pressing into God the kingdom is here everybody's pressing into it let there be a shout and an amen in this place let the power of your kingdom be seen for every family for every home the anointing to break every yoke let the power of your kingdom be felt in this place spirit of the living God destroy that yoke destroy that lie let your kingdom come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven your kingdom is our priority fulfilling our assignment it is our pleasure let God arise let his enemies be scattered over your family this morning shout clap your hands stamp your feet but let the devil know 
you're coming in you're coming into your work you're coming into what God has got for you you're coming into what your God has got for you and your family you are not by yourself Jesus said Come to me, all he who labor and are heavy laden. Matthew, put that scripture for me, please. You must be born again, man. Don't let the enemy tell you that you are they trying to take your fun away. Really? I'm having a time of my life. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. The devil wants to put heaviness on you. It's got nothing to do with your destiny. And I will give you rest. There's two kinds of rest. Watch. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me and I am gentle and lowly and you will find rest. So there's a rest that is given and there's a rest that is found. The rest that is given is for your spirit. The rest that is found is when you are learning. Now you find rest, and you'll find rest for your souls. His work is not burdensome. His burden is light, and his yoke is easy. And when you come into the kingdom of God, the first step is to get born again. Every head bowed and eye closed. You must be born again. Otherwise, you cannot see the kingdom. You cannot enter into it. For those who do not know Jesus, you must be born again. For those who have once, you did, and you're so far from hearing his voice. It's a moment of just correction right now. Let's just pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. I believe in my heart. You died for a sinner like me. Come into my heart. I receive you. The rest for my spirit comes from you. Wash me in your blood. Thank you that I'm at peace with you because of your precious blood. I'm born again. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The Bible says when you receive, he gives you rest. The next prayer is that you can find rest. For your soul. Two kinds of rest. I'm not toiling in this. I'm resting in what God called me to do. I'm becoming what God has called me to be. That's where the abundance is. It's not in your job. It's in your work. Let us pray. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I repent from running away from you. Today, Jesus, I've come to learn from you who I really am. Teach me so I can find rest for my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. What God did for me, he's going to do for you. Listen to me, the most joyous, joyous place, the happiest men those found in the work God has called them to do. It's not preaching. It's education systems. It's media. 
Arts and entertainment. Most of us know Rusi. This boy is born again. Setting up in Dubai. Building businesses. Multi, multi dollars. I mean, just amazing. And not ashamed to tell you that he loves Jesus, man. He's in business. What did he do? He found rest for his soul. Not just given, born again. He found his work. And he is a joy to the body of Christ. Stop trying to think God's trying to take your stuff from you. He's trying to give you something that you need. The thing that you were born to do. Gaten McKenzie. In politics. Finding a joy. The burden he's carrying to help communities. Can we find more men that can come into their workplace? Come on, just nudge your neighbor and say, they, you know, this one's for you. Come on. Amen. We're preaching to you this morning. For a minute, please be seated as we receive an offering. Woo. So much to teach. If God's called you to, please, let's get past the tithes and offerings conversation with the babies that are speaking about the acts. Let's understand the ways of God. God never called me here with 10%. 10% was just got heaven's attention. Oh, he actually is tithing. Okay. He's sowing into the kingdom. Now I can bring him into his work. And when he called me into my work, he took cars and pension and houses and clothing. And pastors come to the house and I didn't even know. I'm just like, you know, the pastor, well, I like this, this, this lounge suite, this white, beautiful couch of your wife. I said, you can have it. And delivered it. And the guy comes, oh, this painting is amazing. Take it. I never wanted anything in my life that God could not have. Because he owned it all. There was a time when God called me and said, son, I was born again. And I stashed my CDs. You guys don't know what CDs are, right? (laughs) I had a stash, man, of the best and I'm born again and I'm worshiping the Lord because I just put all the Lionel Peterson and Andre Crouch songs on top, but the other stuff I stashed. Then Lord sat me down one day and said, Son, can we speak about can we speak on something? Lord, anything. I'm saved and I love the Lord. He says, You need to speak about that series. I'm like, devil, I bind you. He said, Let me tell you something, son. That thing that you're having in that cupboard over there with those CDs. Is keeping me and you from having the real relationship. That music holds a place in your heart that I should be occupying. What was God doing? He wasn't trying to take away my fun. He was preparing me for my worship, my work. You ask anybody, from the time that we started, and I mean, you know, as we went through seasons, we've never been in a season where God did not send proper worship and sound and fixed Sunday morning. From giving God those CDs, I get where I was drunk, putting on easy like Sunday morning. We come to church, and it's easy like Sunday morning. Because whatever you sow for the kingdom of God, God multiplies back into your life. Stop looking into your ticky pocket. 
think about what you're sowing into the kingdom because it's got to do with your destiny. It's got to do with your work. God doesn't need it. You need it. God's preparing you for your work. And the first place he's going to come is one is your time and two is your money. He's going to come and mess with it because he's asking you to reprioritize your life around his kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that the world keeps working for, fighting for. I want to go to Paris also. Well, get into the kingdom. The kingdom will take you there. All these things shall be added unto you. Father, bless your people in their giving. In Jesus' name. Amen. reason why people don't come into their work they haven't let go of the order God's calling them to they refuse to reorder their lives priorities is what fixes your life in the kingdom because God's a God of order Anybody who have been involved in, the, uh, in our project, we're busy with the big building project. We'll be launching the 3D views of what our sanctuary looks like, all the, the business hub, the new rooms that we're busy building, training, and all that goes with it. We'll let you know. But um, we're busy with getting our parking lot sorted out. So the project could be about a quarter of a million rand to lay the proper parking and its entrance and the like. God's called you to sow into that. Please, we have the Kingdom Projects account and um, you can get involved and get involved in the Kingdom work. Something that will last for eternity. And if you put on a, a paving brick here, you might just walk on gold in heaven. Amen. For the paving bricks in heaven is gold anyway, so praise the Lord. But thank you for all your giving. The families have been involved in what we're doing. It's been so amazing. Continue to sow. Let's get this done for the glory of God. Amen. Your children's children need to wake up in a place of order because they were made for that. And they need to see God in all of this, in our buildings, in our land, in all that you're busy building. We need to see, they need to see the glory of God. Please let's stand. Let me dismiss you this morning. The Lord bless and keep you. Cause his face to shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Your children and your home are blessed a thousand generations I bless you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet today and you and your house redeemed from destruction you'll find doors open to you that no man can shut you'll experience the glory of God wherever you go and God will lace this week with his favor wherever you go you are healed, delivered, and set free. You are protected under the blood of Jesus. Angels are dispatched over your life. Oh my God. I give you praise for your favor that will surround them as a shield.
You are blessed going out and coming in. Expect the favor of the Lord this week. In Jesus' mighty name. Can we go rejoicing, saying amen and amen. Come on, give Jesus some praise and some glory. Amen.